Walter Sports Bar is excited to welcome Nationals fans back to the ballpark this spring. Located directly across the street from Nationals Park, Walters is the preeminent sports bar in Navy Yard, boasting over 35 televisions, both indoors and out. Walters is a great location to catch the Nats all season long, and Walters encourages all fans to check out coronavirus.dc.gov to get up-to-date information on current dining restrictions. Go Nats! I know everyone was disappointed that they couldn't gather both inside and outside the stadium on Thursday, but it's going to happen here soon. And when they do, Walters is a great place to gather before the game, after the game, during the game, whatever your case may be. Great location right outside the ballpark. And hopefully as the weather gets warmer, it'll be a fun place to be outside as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome to Nats Chat for Friday, April 2nd, 2021, along with Nats Insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi Podcast. This was supposed to be our first true postgame pod for the 2021 season. This was supposed to be an installment on which we dive headfirst into all the happenings in the Nationals opening night game against the New York Mets. But as you certainly know by now, there was no opening night game against the New York Mets. There will not be an opening game against the Mets on Friday. And beyond that, we're just not sure. Mark, it's never quite simple with the Nationals and the starts of these seasons during the COVID-19 pandemic. We dealt with the Juan Soto scenario last year, and now we're dealing with this current situation with the Nets. Al, it was such a deja vu moment when Mike Rizzo stepped into the Zoom room on Wednesday and before taking a question said, I, I, I want to make a quick little statement. And you start thinking, oh, what's this going to be about? And then tells us the player tested positive and you could just like feel the air suck out of the balloon. Here we go again. We received our last round of COVID test results uh, just late this uh, early this morning, very early this morning. Uh, and we do have one positive test. You know, I think we all knew that this is something that they're going to have to deal with. It was going to come up again. Obviously, they're not getting through this season without positive tests and without games having to be postponed. It just the fact that it was opening night, first one with fans, DeGrom versus Scherzer. They went the whole spring without a positive test. We really hadn't been worried about this at all. And then all of a sudden it happens. And and now we're kind of reminded that, hey, you know what? 2020 isn't over. I know it's a 2021 season, but we're still kind of in 2020 mode right now. It's unbelievable. This freaking pandemic cannot end soon enough. Max Scherzer said it the other day, and he's so right. We just have got to get out of this, and we are getting out of this, but clearly 
that can't come soon enough. Well, before we proceed any further, we've got to tell you about our super special guest on this installment of the Nats Chat Podcast. And this was not something we planned for. It has worked out really in spectacular fashion from a timing standpoint, but none other than Dr. Anthony Fauci, an exclusive interview Mark and I conducted with the director of the U.S. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the chief medical advisor to the president. He is a big Nationals fan, as so many of you know. Didn't necessarily have a glorious moment when he threw out that first pitch, but uh, that can be forgiven. But Dr. Anthony Fauci is going to give us his take on the national situation, where we're at when it comes to Major League Baseball and the COVID-19 pandemic, and a lot more. Mark, I don't know that we could have scripted this much better, getting Fauci on this installment of the podcast. I wish I could claim that we were this good, that we we saw it coming and we knew what we were doing, or as soon as we got the news about the positive test, hey, get Fauci on the phone. Let's get him on the podcast right away. No, this was dumb luck. Great job by Tim Shovers, our producer. We put in the request for him earlier in the week. We found out that he was able to talk to us on Thursday afternoon. We were actually a little worried about the timing because it was going to be a little close to first pitch and all the pregame news. And as it turned out, we couldn't have asked for a better uh, dumb luck on our part to get Dr. Fauci. And it was a great interview with him. No doubt. So get on board with the Nats Chat Podcast. We've been telling you, if you want to become a sponsor, you want to become a part of the movement, the aforementioned Tim Shovers is waiting to hear from you. You can email him, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. You can continue to tweet the pod. Let us know what you're thinking about the Nats, what you're wanting from the Nats. You got questions or comments for us. You want to rip us? Go ahead and do it. Uh, we're big boys. We can take it. But at Nats underscore chat on Twitter. And we do want to salute Columbus, Ohio which for whatever reason is giving us big time download numbers. I don't know what that means, Mark, but we'll take it. Columbus, Ohio, apparently has heavy Nationals fan representation. Are there any Buckeyes on the team? I'm trying to think. I I don't know of any Nats players who went to Ohio, to the Ohio State University, but uh, you know what? Their AAA affiliate was the Columbus Clippers. It's been a while. That was a long time ago, but maybe there's still some fans from that. Whatever the case, we're happy to have them on board. Maybe uh, when the Nats are in Cincinnati, we can we can arrange something for them to come down. Uh, thank you, Columbus, whoever you are. Do you think we're going to get a lot of download numbers from Fresno, California? Or do you think that's probably not going to... That, that two-year run with the Fresno Grizzlies is a AAA affiliate. We'll never forget that. And the second year never even happened. No, that's going to be one of those great trivia questions some days. Who was the Nats AAA affiliate in 2019 when they won the World Series? It was Fresno. Not so much anymore. Yeah, we got to do a pot on that one time. How the heck did their AAA affiliate wind up in Fresno, California? But anyway, in terms of where we stand with the Nationals' COVID-19 situation, and it is an evolving situation as we tape this here late on Thursday. So Thursday afternoon, Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez conducted a joint Zoom press conference, announced that two more Nats players have tested positive for COVID-19 and that another player is, quote, likely positive. Just an update on our, our COVID situation here. Uh, unfortunately, we've had two additional confirmed COVID tests uh, uh, today. Uh, both our players, both are already in quarantine due to contact tracing. Uh, we have a, a a likely positive that requires additional testing that won't be uh, completed till tomorrow. Uh, and that person out of precaution has been put into quarantine. So in total, we have three confirmed positives and one likely positive, and they're all players. You add that to the already known player who has tested positive. We don't know his identity, but we know that he's tested positive. You're looking at three definite positives for the Nats, one likely positive. Uh, Rizzo said that one player has a fever, but that the other player is up until this point asymptomatic. 
also said that this, and this, this, this is maybe my favorite part of the press conference. So you have the three players who've tested positive and the one player who's likely positive officially quarantining for MLB protocols. But Rizzo said that everyone on the Nats is in Mike Rizzo mandated quarantine. Uh, that was great. Everyone is under, uh, I guess, Mike Rizzo mandated quarantine until we get this thing figured out. Mark, we don't know still when the Nationals will finally play a regular season game, but it doesn't seem great, the likelihood of the Nats playing this opening weekend. No, I don't think so. Now, look, as you said, as we're taping this uh, you know, early in the evening, Thursday, it hasn't been officially announced by MLB anything other than obviously didn't play Thursday and they're not playing Friday. So as of now, there are games on the schedule Saturday and Sunday afternoons. But based on what we learned Based on how much still has to be figured out in terms of more contact tracing and guys still in, uh, you know, as you said, Mike Rizzo quarantine and based on the way that MLB handled these kinds of things last year, I think that is a little bit of a guide for us. It's hard to see how they play, certainly Saturday, and my guess would be Sunday as well, and that they just say, you know what, let's shoot for Monday when the Braves are in town. By that point, you've had enough time to isolate everyone to know that those who are in quarantine are, are safe there and that those who have not tested positive haven't been in contact with anyone else and then get started. The key here is MLB cannot, and as we've seen it again from the past last year, they won't put a team on the field if they have reason to worry that someone could infect another player, especially a player from the other team. And I don't know that at this point on Thursday evening that MLB can say for certain that the Nationals wouldn't be putting anyone at risk if they took the field on Saturday. It would be nice to knock out a couple of these games, maybe do a doubleheader on Sunday. But to your point, we just don't know how feasible something like that would be. And there still could be more positives that come out of all this, right? I mean, this all got going on Wednesday when Rizzo said that a player tested positive and that the Nats were set to be without five players and a staff member for Thursday night's opener. We know the Nats underwent two more rounds of COVID-19 testing on Wednesday, and we're still trying to gather, okay, what are the ultimate results of all those tests? Because we got an update on Thursday, but that doesn't mean that that's the final update in terms of who's positive and who isn't. I know one of the things I was certainly hoping for and thought was a possibility was that this could be a Juan Soto situation where, okay, you have this initial positive, but it turns out to be a false positive. We certainly have seen quite a few false positive scenarios over pro sports over the last year with the virus, but this doesn't seem to be that, right? This does seem to be legit. You have people who contracted the virus. Yeah, unfortunately, it, it does look like this one is legit. Um, at least one of them has symptoms. And the fact that others have now tested positive through the official PCR saliva test that takes 36 hours, that pretty much indicates that it is legit. Now, you hope they're all the ones who are asymptomatic stay that way and that the one who had a fever doesn't get any more seriously ill and that, and that you know, it's an annoyance more than anything to be stuck at home while waiting until you test negative. But it's going to be a while until those players are allowed to come out of quarantine, even if the team starts playing here, whether it's this weekend or Monday, or whenever that is. At minimum, MLB rules state that those who test positive have to quarantine for 10 days and have negative tests, I think consecutive negative tests, to be allowed to resume. And the close contacts have to stay away for seven days. And that's MLB rules. We're not talking about DC rules which are even more strict. And that's where the Soto incident came into play last year. And Rizzo, when he was asked about that, kind of danced around the subject a little bit about whether the DC protocols would take precedence over the MLB one. 
we're in concert with both MLB and DC. We did this the same thing last year, and and uh, we have an open communication, and uh, it's uh, really on a case by case basis. But uh, but it, yeah, it could be anywhere from seven to ten days, like I mentioned yesterday, uh, depending depending on on uh, the uh, the the circumstances of that individual player. Even in a best case scenario where they are playing again soon, whoever these players are, and again we don't know who they are, are going to be out for a little while and are not going to start the season on time whenever the Nationals do start the season. So there there are ramifications for this. And again, it's why they just have to make sure that anybody they do put out there is in the clear, and they have to know that for sure before they do it. I know some people are saying, well, hey, why can't you just put the Fredericksburg team out there? That not that the point of the camp? Well, they only just found out today that they all tested negative. And so you need to make sure that none of them were close contacts, that there's any uh, fear of any of them infecting anyone else. So it's just going to take a few days at minimum before they could know that everybody was in the clear. Yeah, it's interesting too, because the Nats aren't playing. They haven't yet put out a season opening roster. See, I thought on Thursday, I said, all right, we're going to find out who's tested positive because it'll be obvious by who's on the roster, who's called up, et cetera. Because we still have no idea when they're going to play, we have no idea who's tested positive, and that's such a big part of this too. Like, are we talking Juan Soto and Trey Turner and Victor Robles, or are we talking maybe more fringe guys, bench guys? Like, so like that's a big part of this. I think another interesting thing to be thinking about is how the heck did this happen? I know I wondered like, did somebody break protocol? You know, was there a Dwayne Haskins situation here where a guy was going maskless at some party or something like that? And I know Rizzo told you guys on Thursday, he's very confident the first player who tested positive did not break the protocols. That's what he said. Uh, You know, they've done everything they can to investigate this. He said at this point, they don't know what uh, happened that that would have caused it. Uh, Everyone was following those protocols the entire spring. Uh, It was pretty strict stuff that they had. But the other part of this is, remember, and and I want to be careful not to speculate too much here, but some of the players had families staying with them in Florida. And those families weren't, you know, quarantined in their house. They were allowed to leave the house. They were allowed to, you know, go grocery shopping and, you know, pick up food and and things like that. And then obviously the players are interacting in close quarters with their families. So it's possible that the, you know, initial patient zero, if we want to call it that, was coming from somebody who wasn't with the team and might have been a family member. And then, you know, it, it went from there. It's also just the unfortunate timing of it was such that this happened essentially the day that they were leaving camp. And so that meant that everybody was getting on an airplane. And as we know, while there are protocols they put in place on the plane to keep people separated, there's only so much you can do. And so as we know now that the two definite positives in addition to the original one and the one other likely positive that they're still waiting for confirmation, those were among the group of the close uh, contacts that we knew about originally on Wednesday. So the point is, if you want to read between the lines here, interpret, my hunch is these people were all sitting close by, whether it was on the plane or on the bus, and that's where it spread from. And so the hope would be that it's still just confined to those and it didn't spread to anyone who was sitting then next to them. And that's what they're now doing is going through more contact tracing. We don't know that nobody else got this. It's still possible they're going to find out that more did. There's another round of tests that was taken Thursday that they'll get the results on Friday. And so that's why I keep saying until they get like a day where everything comes back clean, it's hard for me to see how they put them on the field. Yeah. And just to kind of reset the timeline, because I know this does get confusing and it does get tedious. 
the round of testing that produced that initial positive test happened Monday morning. The Nats then played that exhibition season-ending game against the Astros Monday afternoon. And the Nats then went on that chartered flight from Florida back to the D.C. area. Didn't find out about that initial positive until Wednesday morning. So like you said, the timing of this could not have been worse in terms of when someone finally tested positive. And they go through all of spring training. Nobody tests positive. COVID-19 like wasn't even an issue. You know, it wasn't that long ago. People talking about, well, maybe they should delay the start of the regular season by a month so more people can get vaccinated. Like there'd been no conversation about the virus. MLB was in such a great spot. And now you get this with the Nats, like we talked about earlier, a second straight year. You're starting the year with this COVID-19 problem like you had with the Juan Soto situation last year. And, and it's it also continues this thing of since the Nats won the World Series, it's like they just can't enjoy it. I mean, you're set to open up your season. It's a primetime game. You got Scherzer to Grom. It's a big game against the Mets. 5,000 fans going to be in the ballpark, and you can't even have that. It's just like, man. There's like a dark cloud over this team since it won the World Series. This may be the, um, you know, the, the price they paid. Maybe they sold their souls <laughs> yeah. to win that championship. And for the rest of time, they're going to suffer as a result of it. Was it worth it? I don't know. I hope so. I hope it was worth it. And hopefully this doesn't last now forever. The curse of winning the World Series. I don't know if we ever thought about it in those terms. But certainly, boy, there's been very little positive news for the Nationals since about, you know, November 3rd, 2019. Yeah. And and you just hope that one of these days here it does. Now, look, Davey Martinez, ever the optimist that Davey is, he said, look, I know everyone's disappointed. It's not happening the way we thought it would. But opening day will happen. We will have fans there. We will get to re-raise the banner. They will get to celebrate all this stuff. It will happen. It's just going to happen later than originally planned. It's not going to happen today. And that's that's the sad part. But, it, you know, it's going to happen. And we're going to play in front of our fans. But you're right, boy. I mean, this was going to be the reintroduction of the Nationals on the national stage. It was the only game on the schedule at 7 p.m. Eastern for Thursday. And now whenever they do finally debut, it, it, that won't be the case. And um, you're right. It's like if you could have drawn up everything, the worst things that could happen, it's almost like you could check off every box since November of 19. One more aspect to all this, and that is the vaccines. So it's interesting this all breaks on Wednesday for the Nats because also on Wednesday was the news that at least 85% of the traveling party of the St. Louis Cardinals had been vaccinated for COVID-19. And this is significant because teams were told on Monday that MOB and the Players Association, and we all know those two sides, they never agree on anything, but they actually agreed on this that you can relax certain health and safety protocols contained in the operations manual for this season for fully vaccinated tier one individuals and for clubs on which 85% of tier one individuals have been fully vaccinated. Tier one individuals is a fancy schmancy way of saying, you know, players, coaches, trainers, you know, basically like people that travel with the ball club. So there is a path here to kind of not just getting out of this as a country, but like if we're just going to bottom line this and just be, you know, cold about this, Put aside health for a moment. For, there is a competitive advantage this season to being vaccinated. Like if I'm a general manager and, you know, Rizzo, I've heard him kind of allude to this. It's like we can't make people get vaccinated. And we all know people have all kinds of opinions on the vaccines. But purely from a standpoint of baseball and winning and being, you know, in contention, you get vaccinated. You have an edge over other teams like the Cardinals now have an advantage over other teams with this 85 percent threshold that they've gotten to. and. It's going to be, we know, different for every team in terms of when the team can get to that point because it's not the same everywhere with the vaccines. But 
that that's kind of a sneaky key aspect I feel like to this season. How quickly can you get your players vaccinated? It's a great point, Al. It's something I hadn't specifically thought of, but it reminds me of you know last year going into the season, the Nationals talked about why they were confident that everyone would stick to those protocols, which were brand new for them at the time. They felt like there were competitive reasons to do it, that if you keep everybody healthy and avoid positive tests, then it's almost like avoiding injuries during a season. And the teams that stay the healthiest over the course of a season are ultimately going to be better off. Now, in the Nats case, it didn't make a huge difference. They lost Soto at the beginning, but they really didn't have anyone get sick during the year, you know, and they still wound up tied for fourth place. But you're right, there is some competitive advantage to it. And just so people understand, you alluded to this, and I think it's important to know, when I've had a lot of people ask me the last few days, why can't they just get them all vaccinated the way that you said the Cardinals, I think the Astros did it on their way to Oakland to start the year. Here's the issue. It's not available to everyone everywhere. The Astros flew home to Texas where the vaccine is available to a mass population. All the players who wanted to get it got it there and then they flew on to Oakland. The Cardinals, I believe, were in Ohio where it is open and that's where they got theirs. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's where it was for them. D.C. has not opened up mass vaccinations for people outside of the, the prioritized groups so far. And so Rizzo, when he was asked about it on Thursday, was very careful to say, yes, we're trying to work with all the organizations to make it possible for us to get vaccinated for everyone who wants to be vaccinated. But we have to make sure we're not jumping the line for somebody who needs it more than us. And there's only so much they can do in that regard. If the city says or the local municipalities say, that a group of 20 and 30 something healthy athletes is not a priority group to get the vaccine, they're going to have to wait their turn. And, you know, unfortunately, in one way, it's also responsible in another way that, that ultimately you hope that if they do get it, they're not going to get sick. But there is a competitive side to it, as you just said. And you hope it doesn't cost them in wins and losses over the course of a season if some teams are not able to get the vaccine as soon as others do. Well, speaking of getting vaccinated, speaking of the pandemic, a man who has been in it like nobody else, Dr. Anthony Fauci, joins us now on the Nats Chat Podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you interested in buying or selling your home? Support for Nats Chat comes from Rachel Levy of Compass Real Estate by focusing on the personal parts of the real estate process and using technology to simplify the rest. Rachel seamlessly guides her clients through their experiences 
Rachel uses her deep local knowledge and exceptional customer service to advocate for her clients all across D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. To learn more, follow Rachel on Instagram at Real Estate Rachel. Rachel, a lifelong area resident. She's a Terp. Al likes that. I won't hold that against her. Most importantly, she has been a Nats fan from the beginning, and we're happy to have her on board as a sponsor. To throw out the ceremonial first pitch. Catching his pitches, Nationals pitcher Sean Doolittle. Dr. Fauci, when you're ready. We are thrilled on the Nats Chat podcast right now to be joined by the director of the U.S. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the chief medical advisor to the president, and a big Nationals fan, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Doctor, it's an honor to have you on. How are you? I'm well, thanks. It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you coming on very much. It's really incredible how this worked out. You coming on with us the day on which the Nats season opener is postponed due to a COVID-19 issue within the team. I guess it's a sign that as much as we're coming out of the pandemic, we're still not where we need to be. We're not. Unfortunately, we're not. We still have, you know, the last count throughout the country, Al, there was like 63,000 new cases. That's a very high baseline level. We've got to get that level down much, much lower and that's the reason why we're so enthusiastic about getting people vaccinated. You know, we're getting three million people a day vaccinated. We got to keep that up every single day. And I'll guarantee you, if we do that and just hold off on pulling back on some of the mitigation strategies and just stick with it for a while, I think we're going to do well this spring and this summer in the baseball season. I know you've got far more important things you focus on throughout the course of a day. But at some point today, I'm assuming you heard about the Nats game being postponed and because of a positive test. So I want to know, what was your reaction to that, both as a doctor and as a fan? And are they different reactions? No, they are different. You know, as a public health person, as a physician, I'm not surprised for the simple reason that I mentioned to Al, that we have enough infection dynamics in society that it's not surprising that one of the members of the team got infected and you're going to have to quarantine a few others. Uh, I'm not surprised at all. As a fan, I, I, I'm sad about it because, you know, I really, the entire country and certainly Washington, D.C. needs the Nats in full blown, you know, to get that spirit back. It's a, a big morale booster to the city and to the region, you know, the entire D.C., Virginia, Maryland region to have the Nats going full blown. But they will. I have confidence in that. I can only imagine the extent to which your life has been dominated by the pandemic over the last, say, 15 months. Are you able to enjoy sports? Like, will you be able to enjoy the Nats once their season actually begins? Well, certainly not nearly as much as as I have thoroughly enjoyed the Nats in previous years, particularly the 2019 World Series year, which was really spectacular. But you know, you're right. As much of an avid sports fan, but particularly a a baseball Washington national fan, I just don't have, I mean, my life has been just completely upended. You know, I'm, I'm telling you something that's the truth. It's not exaggeration. I haven't had a day off since a year ago last January. Uh, I mean, literally, I mean, almost 24-7. That's why I long for the time when we get this thing under more control where you can actually do one of the most relaxing things that I know of, just going to the game, grabbing a hot dog and a beer, you know, and watch Trey Turner and Ryan Zimmerman and the whole crew whacking away at the ball. Yeah, I, look, we all can't wait for that moment. We were excited that we were thought we were going to see 5,000 fans there for opening night. It'll have to be delayed at least a few days. We'll see. The Nationals, are, because of D.C. regulations, are allowing for 5,000 fans now. Other teams have picked out different numbers. 
are you confident that as the season plays out and, and hopefully that the numbers go down uh, in infections and more people get vaccinated, that it will allow those numbers of fans at games to, to increase? And, and do you feel like as the season plays out, we will see more and more fans? I do think so. I really do. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a realist, but I'm a cautious optimist. And I think as you know, I keep repeating every single day that goes by that we get more than three million people vaccinated, we're getting closer and closer to what you're talking about, closer and closer to more fans in the stands, closer and closer to essentially a normal baseball season where you don't have to be looking over your shoulder that one of your teammates is going to get infected and the next thing you know, you're going to have five or six people getting quarantined. I think if we continue to get people vaccinated and are careful about the public health measures, as we get into the late spring and the summer, I really think we're going to have an increased quota of people that are going to be allowed into the ballpark. We know the Nationals would like to have more than 5,000 fans per game now. Is that doable in your opinion? Like, could that get bumped up in the next few weeks to say, I don't know, 7,500, 10,000? Would you rather see them stay at the 5,000? What's your take on that? Well, you know, staying at the 5,000, the decision was made on the basis of the level of infection that we're experiencing right now. If we see a significant drop in it, Al, I, I, I would be very comfortable with increasing that number. But right now, the way we're stuck at around 60,000 a day, I'd be a little concerned about expanding that quite yet. Soon, I hope, but not yet. The fans who are able to go to the games, they're very excited about it. It's mostly season ticket holders and more are anxious to go. There is still, though, a segment of the population that's maybe a little bit leery about going to a game, a little bit nervous about it, especially those who haven't been vaccinated yet. Aside from the obvious steps that people should take, wearing masks, social distancing, and everything at a game, what other advice would you give to people when they're making that decision to go to a ball game about how to protect themselves and everyone else? You know, I, I, I think that just as you said, absolutely, uh, Mark, and that is the distancing. If you're going to have 5,000 people at the game, there are a lot of seats you can get a really good view and not near, be near anybody. That's, the, <laughs> that's for sure. You know, being in that ballpark so often, I could, I could already picture a bunch of places <laughs> where there's nobody near me and still have a good view of the game, wearing a mask. And avoiding things that are almost accidental, like congregating at a concession to pick up a hot dog or a beer. You know, that's when people get careless. And instead of saying socially distance, they're crowded. Just keep your distance, you know, wear a mask and just do what you need to do out there. And the, and the beauty of baseball, it's an outdoor sport. You know, you're sitting there, the breeze is going by. It really diminishes greatly the likelihood that you're going to be in a situation where you're going to get infected. What do you make of the job that pro sports have done in this country in having or concluding their seasons in the midst of the pandemic, right? I mean, a year ago at this time, there were no sports. We didn't know when we'd have sports. Many people thought we shouldn't have sports. And yet since then, MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL all have had or concluded their seasons, you know, basically with very low infection rates, very little evidence, if, if any at all, of in-game spread. How do you view how pro sports have done in this country with the pandemic? You know, I think they've done really well, to be honest with you. They weren't reckless about it. They each had their own plan, you know, some in a bubble, some in a different, in a different situation. And the proof of the pudding is the data. There weren't a lot of people that got infected. I mean, there were some situations last year where, as you know, members of the team had to go sit down for a while. We're experiencing it right now with the Nats. But in general, if you look at the entire year and the different sports, 
I think that the sport, the, the, you know, the, the managers and, and the owners and the people in the higher executive position have been cautious about it and have been careful about the health of their athletes. And we've done well. And I think we're going to do a heck of a lot better this year. I know you said you haven't had a day off in over a year, but I know you got at least a couple of hours last summer. You were able to get away and come to opening night at Nationals Park. I'm not going to ask you to relive your moment on the mound, (laughs) but I will ask you, would you like an opportunity to make up for that and do it again? Others have done that. I know John Wall got a second chance after his first pitch didn't go so well. I think Alex Ovechkin maybe did as well. Would you like that opportunity at some point to have another shot at it? Yeah, sure. I definitely would. And uh, <laughs> it was interesting. I kept on practicing till I threw my arm out when I got up there. <laughs> I threw a line drive to first base. <laughs> but so next time, maybe, you know, a little less warm up, you're saying? No, next time I just would just, you know, just lob the ball to the to the catcher. And that's it. Not worrying about throwing a 65 mile an hour pitch, which was a big mistake. Right, right. <laughs> hey, I've seen a lot over the years. People try too hard. You're right. They, they get spooked out by it. It's not easy for anybody to go out there and do that right. With your baseball fandom, you're obviously from Brooklyn. Were you a Dodgers fan, a Yankees fan, a Mets fan before a Nationals fan? Oh, yeah, I was a Yankee fan. You know, people don't understand except if you grew up in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, it was just, you know, people don't get it that half the people in Brooklyn were Yankee fans and half the people were Brooklyn Dodger fans. And it was the most fun in the world, you know, when you're a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old kid comparing whether Duke Snyder is better than Mickey Mantle or Yogi Berra is better than Roy Campanella or Pee Wee Reese is better than Phil Rizzuto. It was great fun. So did you become a Nationals fan as soon as they arrived in town in 2005 or did it take a little while? I went to a bunch of Baltimore Oriole games uh, when we didn't have a team here, but I welcomed so much. As soon as the Nats came, I, I immediately started and, and then completely fell in love with them. It's just a great team. Do you have a favorite Nationals player uh, over the years here? Um, you know, anybody that doesn't love Ryan Zimmerman doesn't know anything about baseball. I mean, (laughs) the guy has been there for years and years. He's an iron man. And I think he's going to have a great year this year. I mean, you see the way he's whacking that ball in, in spring training. I mean, I I think we're going to see a revitalized, not that he needed revitalization, but we're going to see a revitalized Ryan Zimmerman and Trey Turner is coming into his own as a hitter now too. I think he's going to just, jump to the top of the heap of shortstops for sure. See, you are paying attention. You, you've been following what's going on. <laughs> so that, that's, that's going to lead to my next question was, you know, you're not just somebody who lives in D.C. and claims to be a Nationals fan. It's clear you know this team and have known for a while. So prior to the World Series season, give me a favorite memory from maybe the earlier years of something that only a true Nats fan can maybe appreciate. Um, you know, it gets back to I was a great fan of Anthony Rendon. And I know he's gone. It's kind of like you got forget about him. But I, I can't give you a specific incidence, but I would almost put myself in his shoes. And every time he would get up to the to the plate, he was such an he is such an amazing ball player. I mean, he's just got to be as good as anybody. If you want somebody up at bat in a clutch, you got to have Anthony Rendon there for sure. 
How do you like the Nats' chances in 2021? Division seems to be loaded. Uh, Nats are coming off a rough 2020, but still loaded with plenty of talent. How do you think the Nats do this season? You know, I think we got a good shot at it. I was I was I was interviewed by a Los Angeles state uh, station a couple of days ago, and they were asking me the question, and I just blew them off, and they said, "Well, the LA Dodgers." I said, "Nah, don't worry about it. It's going to be the Nats <laughs> for sure. It's for sure a repeat of 2019." Now, it almost in 2019 was a Nationals-Yankees World Series, and, and they're obviously both coming into 2021 feeling good about their chances. If it ever came to that, is there any question about your loyalties? No, my loyalty unquestionably was going to be with the Nats. I mean, it isn't even close. I mean, I like watching the Yankees. They're an incredible team, but I still think we'd take them. You just won over all your fans here for sure. Well, Doctor, we thank you so much for all the work you've done. We thank you so much for coming on the Nats Chat Podcast, and we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Thanks. So there you have it, Dr. Anthony Fauci, talking nationals and a whole lot more with us here on the Nats Chat Podcast. Uh, Look, Mark, I expect us to get all kinds of reaction to that conversation with Dr. Fauci, but I think what we can say with complete certainty, the guy is a legit fan of the Nats. Oh, it was totally legit. And like I asked him that question, you know, how to distinguish yourself from just the people who live here and claim to be Nats fans, I think he nailed it. It's clear he knew Ryan Zerman was tearing the cover off the ball this spring. And for a guy who has not had a day off in over a year, clearly he's been watching. Clearly he's been following them since they arrived in town. And um, that was really cool. And like we said, dumb luck on our part. We happened to get him on this day of all days. But it was, I thought, really interesting both to get his perspective on what's happening with the, the testing and the cancellation, postponement of games, what the future is going to hold here. He, he's in tune with this. He knows what's going on. They've been consulting him. And that was, uh, uh, I thought, really enlightening to hear from him on this subject. No doubt. And he is optimistic about more and more fans being able to attend games. And, you know, hopefully by the time we do get into the summer, you know, certainly late summer, early fall, that we can have stadiums more or less back to what they've been. I mean, you know, obviously time will tell, but, you know, you like to hear that, especially for a guy like that. I was thinking about this. Is Anthony Fauci the single most famous Nationals fan? Is there a more famous Nationals fan? Do you know of any? Oh, boy. You know, this has been a a running thing where, like, when you compare other teams that have, you know, Hollywood celebrities and things like that. And in D.C., it's mostly political types or or broadcast, you know, news types. So, I mean, like Wolf Blitzer is uh, is someone um, I think Brett Kavanaugh, Supreme Court justice, was a a season ticket holder at one point. So it's a lot of those types. But, you know, a year ago, people wouldn't have known who Anthony Fauci was. Now everybody knows who he is. And uh, I hope for his sake that he's going to get some well-deserved time off here. And I hope he gets to go to a lot of ball games and just relax and enjoy it. Because if anyone has earned it, it is Dr. Fauci. It's incredible the pace at which he's had to work. Of course, uh, the pace at which so many people have had to work throughout this pandemic. Well, that will do it for us here on this installment of the Nats Chat Podcast. Let us know what you think, your reactions to any and everything going on with the Nationals. Always know you can reach us via Twitter at Nats underscore chat and via email NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast.